Hello, brothers and sisters. Peace be with you. You know, if I'm honest, sometimes I, I don't always feel like worshiping God. Sometimes it's because I'm just so busy, like my to-do list is so long. Sometimes I'm just tired, sometimes depressed. Sometimes I ask, does it even make a difference whether or not I worship God? Does it help me? Does it help others who are hurting? Why is worship worth it? Worship is orienting our hearts to face God. It's focusing on who God is, on his worthiness, on his glory, on his grace. It's reminding myself of God's power and his love. It's encouraging fellow believers to stand firm in faith and to bear witness to the world. Actually, the more we remember the truth of who God is, the more we are transformed into the image of God, from glory into glory. Worship is beholding the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I invite you to bow your head with me, and we'll start in a word of prayer. O Eternal Father, we cry out to you because we are hurting and broken. We are weak and easily distracted by the things of this world. We do not have enough strength to lead holy lives. But you, O Lord, but you, but you never change. Your love toward us is unfailing. Your conduct toward us is always full of compassion. And now as we gaze into your scriptures, we ask, Lord, that you unveil our hearts and that you transform us with your spirit from glory into glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. The 103rd Psalm has three sections, God's conduct with us, God's compassion toward us, and God's constancy in his love and might. And today, for time's sake, we're just focusing on the first section from verses 1 through 7. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. This is an imperative, a command that we give to our own soul, in fact, even when we don't really feel like doing it. To bless the Lord means to declare how good God is. This is not just a perfunctory ritual, not just like saying grace before the meal. It's not just about reading a chapter of the Bible every day or watching an hour of church videos once a week. To really bless the Lord means I need to tell my whole being, everything about me, to bless God. How do I do this? The secret is by having a good memory. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The word translated as benefits here, it's not about God's utility toward us. After all, the focus is on God, not on our needs or comfort. Benefits here means God's full dealings with us, the totality of his actions toward us. This word can be both positive as well as negative. The word was used, in fact, to refer to children as they were weaned off of their mother's milk. This word benefit refers to God's actions toward us and his interactions with us. How has God intervened in my life? How has God treated us? Well, today's passage summarizes four areas of God's conduct toward us. God is not distant. He's not blind. He's not uncaring. Instead, God heals us in body and soul. He lifts us from pit to glory. He supplies us with strength and satisfaction, and he rescues us and advocates for us. In each area, we need to refresh our memories 
of who God is and how he interacts with us. Each one of us has a testimony to share of God's direct intervention in our lives, despite our often fickle faith in him. God is the one who forgives all our iniquity. He's the one who heals all our diseases. And throughout scripture, there is a strong connection between forgiveness and physical healing. You remember the story of the paralytic who is lowered by his friends through a roof so that Jesus could come and heal him. And Jesus says to them, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk. Jesus draws the strong parallel between forgiveness of sins and physical healing. And in the very next verse in Mark, Jesus heals this paralytic in order to demonstrate that he has authority to forgive sins. And this makes sense. After all, he is the creator, and the creator has that authority over our bodies. God can decide who should live and who should die, whether to kill or whether to heal. And because he's the creator, he also has authority over our souls whether to judge us or to show mercy and forgiveness toward us. This is not to say that whenever I'm ill, that God is punishing me for my sin, that my illness is God's punishment. No, actually, my illness is not nearly enough to pay for my rebellion against a holy God. But actually, all illness and cancer and even COVID-19, these come from our broken world. And our world is broken because mankind refused to follow the Creator. Again, this parallel shows in James, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. In other words, God knows that each one of us, each person, is one integral being. Our body, our mind, heart, and soul, we are one whole person. And so Christ's healing is also for the whole person. And when our soul is ill, the medicine that we need the most is forgiveness. We are all keenly aware of times that we've said and done terrible things. Sometimes it it replays like a video in my mind. Sometimes in those moments when I least expect it. And I try to cope sometimes by comparing myself with other people. Well, others have committed even worse sins, so I'm not that bad, right? Sometimes I try to cope with anger at God. God, you ask too much of me. Your requirements are too strict. But really, the healing that I need is to hear my Father, my Heavenly Father say, Yes, your sin was inexcusable, but it has been paid for on the cross, and you are forgiven. Friend, have you heard this from your Savior? to know that you are forgiven. How has God healed us, body and soul? Medical doctors take a patient's medical history because past illnesses impact future diagnosis and treatment. Well, for each one of us, what is the history of my heart? A history that may be full of trauma, of disappointment, resentment even, and addiction. But how is Christ healing me? Perhaps I'm still a work in progress. I'm not fully healed yet, but God is working on my heart. How has God healed us, body and soul?
Jesus is the great physician. He heals our illnesses and he offers us forgiveness. Well, he's also our pride and glory. He is the one who redeems our life from the pit. And the pit here, it represents depth, despair, being trapped or being surrounded. This word was even used to refer to death or the grave. There's a sense of finality to it. The pit is where we go when we have no more fight left in us, no more options. Well, the prophets of the Old Testament are very familiar with this feeling. The prophet Jeremiah, he spoke God's word to the people of Jerusalem, told them not to rebel against God's discipline. And in response, they called Jeremiah a traitor. They dropped him off to die in a deep well. And there was no water in this cistern, but only mud, and Jeremiah sank into the mud. But God the Redeemer had a plan, not only to rescue Jeremiah from the pit, but to reveal God's own glory, to bestow on Jeremiah dignity and courage in his trust of God. And so after Jeremiah was rescued, it wasn't just coming out of the pit. God sent Jeremiah to boldly proclaim to King Zedekiah, that if he refused to surrender to Babylon and to surrender to God's chastisement, that the king's trusted friends would deceive him and prevail against him, and that the king's feet, his own feet, would sink in the mud and his friends would turn away from him. And in so doing, God turned the snares of Jeremiah's enemies back on themselves. God redeemed Jeremiah and restored his glory. God is the one who crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. The word translated as steadfast love represents God's unbreakable covenant promise. It is rooted not in our performance or our worthiness, but in the character of who God is. The word translated here as crown means to, to surround us, to protect us, so that when we look all around us in every direction, it's not hopelessness or fear that we see, it's God's covenant of love toward us that surrounds us. In Psalm 3, we read, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. When I feel beat down, disgraced, ashamed, I don't need to defend my own pride because I know that my glory comes not from asserting my own credentials. Do you know who I am? It's not about proving how capable or how hardworking I am, because I know that my glory is the Lord, and my shield is the Lord, and He is the one who lifts my head up with dignity and with honor. Honor is not something that I earn for myself. It is imparted to me by my Creator. When have I been in the pit, and how has God lifted me? What is your story? How has God redeemed you? Jesus forgives and heals us. He surrounds us with his covenant love. He supplies us abundantly with more than we need. He supplies us with strength and satisfaction. God, we remember, is the one who satisfies us with good. The word for satisfy here means to eat until we're full, until there's enough, until there's no more that I can have. The word also means to adorn, to drape on, to, to, to have beauty and adornment. This is not to say that God's goal is to make us happy. For instance, I might not feel satisfied until I finish that degree, until my career is more stable. I might not feel satisfied until I get married, or until I have children, or more children. Well, God doesn't promise to satisfy all that we long for, 
but the gifts that he gives to us are good. He gives us good gifts. And they are good because they reflect God's own goodness and his unchanging love. And so if I have Jesus, though I would lose everything else in this life, I know I have enough. I am content. I don't need more. I'm full. I'm satisfied. Jesus is enough. And in James, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God does not tempt us into sin. He does not delight in watching us suffer. He is a good Father. He has unchanging covenant love toward us. And he equips us with everything we need to do his will and to do good to others. Our youth is renewed like the eagles. And the eagle in the Old Testament was noted for its power and its speed and its soaring height. Eagles, as we know, can soar for hours without even needing to flap their wings. Why? Because they can stay close to those air currents and thermals. Oftentimes I realize that my patience with my family members is very shallow patience. Sometimes my wife will be going through a hard time for whatever reason. I want to be a good husband, right? Uh, so I know to just listen, uh, comfort her, uh, be gentle with her. And it seems to work, at least for a bit. Uh, but then she's still struggling. She's still going through a difficult time. And then I realize my patience often runs out. It's used up. And I get angry at her. Well, I did my part, so why aren't you better? Why aren't you fixed now? And with the very best of intentions to help, actually, I end up making things even worse. Deep patience, patience that is not shallow, comes from staying close to Jesus. It's not about trying harder to generate more patience within my heart, but it's about being close to Jesus so he will continually resupply me with more love, more gentleness, more patience. It's about resting in his goodness and providence, contentment being satisfied. What good and perfect gifts has God given to me? Am I staying close to the source of life so as to be continually resupplied by the Holy Spirit, to be empowered so that I can then be a blessing to others around me? Well, Christ's conduct toward us is that he is the one who heals us, body as well as soul. He lifts us up from the pit and crowns us with glory. He supplies us with strength as well as satisfaction, contentment. And lastly, he rescues and advocates for the oppressed. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. The word for oppressed here means those who suffer violence and abuse of power. This could be ourselves. It could be others around us. This verse reminds us God is not passive. The Lord works righteousness. God is not just a God of good intentions or wishful thinking. He takes action. He performs mighty deeds and miracles. God has seen the injustice. He has heard the cries of the poor, and he's already started his plan of action. In Luke 18, And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? No, for God is the one who brings about justice, and he chooses to involve us, you and me, in his plan. To speak up on behalf of the poor and the oppressed, 
to seek God's righteousness and justice. And this justice, it's not something that's defined by democratic vote. It's not defined by intensity of conviction, whoever shouts the loudest. Justice, this real justice, is defined by the Creator God. His ways, His justice is not vague or unknowable because God has made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. God is not the unknown God. He is the revealed God. He has revealed His ways and actions to us. He is near to each one of us. He's done this that we might seek Him and find Him. Do I believe God works justice for His people in my life, in my family, in our community, in our nation and world? Even when sometimes we don't really see His promises fulfilled. Sometimes that's because we ourselves have a short memory. We've forgotten all the many times that God has always been faithful to His promises and that He's intervened in our lives. Sometimes we don't see God's promises fulfilled simply because we're not home yet. The world is still heading downhill and getting worse and worse. It is more broken under sin. We must remind ourselves that God is just. He sees the oppressed. He knows us. He knows you. And he has revealed himself to us so that we may come to know him. And worship, why do we worship? We worship to remind ourselves of this truth of who God is, to encourage one another in the faith, and to bear witness to the world. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. I invite you to bow your head with me in a word of prayer. It is good to bless your name, O Lord. It is good that we remind ourselves of who you are and your conduct toward us. That you are the one who forgives our sins. You are the one who heals our illnesses. You lift us up from the pit and crown us with your covenant love. You supply us abundantly with good blessings, good gifts from a good father. You resupply us with strength to do good to others. You deliver us with justice and vindication to your oppressed sons and daughters. And Lord, we have seen your goodness in our lives amidst this broken world. And now we will proclaim this testimony to all who would hear. Thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.